0: this is a podcast from the business times welcome to podcasts by the business times in this episode find out how investing in a sustainable future offers robust avenues for growth this episode is brought to you by brookfield asset management these are trying
1: times economic volatility Everything's more expensive. People are getting laid off. Who has time to think about the climate crisis? Yet think about it we must. If things don't improve soon, well, you know the rest. Steps are being taken. People are doing something. But clearly, not enough. But what if I told you investing in combating climate change could be profitable? Profit and planet are not at odds. For more insights, we have Luke Edwards. Managing Director, Renewable Power and Transition from Brookfield with us today. Luke, thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me, Howie. Would you say the recent shocks have dampened interest in investing in net zero transition? We're definitely not
2: seeing any interest wane from investors in the space. A couple of years ago, we raised a record US $15 billion for our first transition fund, which is BGTF1. We're in the market actively fundraising for our second fund. Uh, which we expect to be meaningfully larger than the first. Thinking about market volatility and and the recent events, the hottest topic in the last 12 months has been interest rates. They matter to everyone, matter to investors who are making long-term investment decisions. But we tend to find that they're caring more about the momentum of the changing rate environment versus the absolute level. So while rates moved up really fast over the last 12 to 18 months, a lot of investors were very cautious because they weren't too certain about where they were going to end up. But once the rate of change started to slow and people could see a topping out of the rate environment, there was a lot more confidence that's come back into the market about where rates are going. And the other point to remember is we and our investment partners and, and investors that we invest alongside, we're all looking through short-term cycles. We're long-term investors. In the same time that we've seen a fair bit of market volatility and the interest rate environment change. And the transition investing environment continues to benefit from really huge tailwinds. And it's pushing a lot more capital into the sector. And we say that from a relative period of the last three years, when we started our our first fund. I think the three main things that are really driving these tailwinds are one, cheaper renewables. Cost of new build renewables is, is reducing almost on a quarter by quarter basis. Two, there's a real big push from a lot of countries for domestic energy security. And three, net zero targets are being set by more corporates and more governments than, than ever before. And all of these targets are designed to address the environmental harm that comes from carbon emissions.
1: Hmm. Why must investment in energy infrastructure rise from 2.5% of world GDP in 2016 to 4.5% by 2030, though? That's a lot of money. It's a great question, and there's really two ways to think about it, but it's really important
2: to stand back and just think about how energy plays such a vital role in in all modern societies. Energy and the creation of electricity, it enables us to eat, sleep, it supports employment and gives us a way to get around. And since the Industrial Revolution, we've largely used fossil fuels to support our energy needs. This has led to significant growth in the world economy, a big driver of, of the growth in world GDP. But this is all changing, and we're only at the beginning of a multi-decade shift in the way we procure and create energy. And the two lenses which we look at this is, one, the whole global economy is going through a replacement cycle. There's a lot of fossil fuel-powered energy sources that are nearing the end of their technical lives. Those assets need to be replaced. And two, and this is probably the most important, Renewable energy has near zero short run marginal cost. It will lower the price we pay for energy over time as more energy infrastructure gets built. These two reasons are really why spending as a proportion of GDP is increasing. Now, the challenge in the energy transition is it's like we're rebuilding a plane while it's still in the air. We need to build new infrastructure to meet growing energy demand. But at the same time, we're replacing our existing infrastructure with Existing technologies like wind, solar and batteries, but also exploring new technologies that are going to make our our environment much more financially sustainable. And on top of the energy infrastructure replacement cycle that we're seeing, there's all these great trends in data, the consumption of mobile data, manufacturing, different ways in which we're making things. There's changes in the way that heavy industry is procuring energy. All of this is going to drive additional investment beyond the investment that's required to just replace the infrastructure that's there today and the infrastructure that supports our economies in their current state. And last year, we saw a massive rise in the consumption of data that was driven by AI. And AI is definitely here to stay and requires a lot of computing power. And that computing power is going to be supported and powered by renewable power. We need to start making new things. A lot more batteries for cars. Electric vehicles are going to be manufactured. New manufacturing capabilities need to be established or some manufacturing capabilities that exist in some regions globally are going to have to relocate to other places where there is an abundance of renewable energy that can power these operations.
1: Yeah, energy is so necessary and connects us all, right? Maybe we talk about value chains. How does transition investment contribute to increased productivity? Yeah. So renewables are the cheapest form of new
2: build electricity in most parts of the world today. The multinational corporations and governments are all wanting to act in the most economically rational way possible. There is a real big push from corporates wanting to get the lowest possible price for their energy. So all the cost reductions we're seeing in cost of of new wind infrastructure, solar and batteries means that customers are One, looking for ways to reduce their cost of energy. Two, investing in reducing their costs and and therefore by reducing their costs, improving their productivity. What's happening at the same time as these corporates are investing in clean energy supply and looking to reduce their costs, they're also looking at their energy usage. Part of our business is to service customers with on-site renewable generation. We go out to customers and, and work with them to understand what their energy usage looks like and suggest the best way to efficiently procure renewable energy at the lowest cost. When you're doing that, you start looking at how they run their business, how they can employ energy efficiency measures that also go alongside their operations. And when a company or an organization such as a school or hospital tends to look at their on-site consumption, they also tend to think about measures that can make their operations more efficient that we don't see. And so you, you come up with a combined solution that addresses the supply side as well as the demand side. That's also a contributor to increased productivity. The other thing is less emissions in the atmosphere promotes healthier communities and lifestyles. And that's a benefit to everyone that sometimes is unquantifiable, but is going to be something that's going to become more and more meaningful over time. And how does that work exactly? Yeah, Brookfield well, has one very simple way of thinking about energy transition, and that is to go where the emissions are. Find businesses, find operations that are heavy emitters today, and help work with those to either eliminate those emissions and find another way to power their operations or to provide them with the electricity or energy that they need. Or to help them displace other emissions. So build build new renewable power, for example. One of the biggest single sources of emissions in the world is the energy industry and and more specifically power supply. So the lowest hanging fruit when you think about investing in the transition is looking at a customer's electricity supply, because normally it, it is the largest source of their emissions. But also it can, for some companies, it can be the biggest part of their cost base. And so helping a customer reduce their emissions can also increase the economic viability of their business. There's no one size that fits all, but we can provide energy through contracts like power purchase agreements. We can also look at more bespoke solutions that might involve a combination of power purchase agreements, but also investing in solar panels or batteries at that customer's place of business called a behind the meter energy solution. If you're an industrial business or operating in heavy industry, typically you have a 24-7 power requirement. And the first thing you're going to look at when you're thinking about transitioning your business is your fuel inputs, but also the cost of that fuel. And then the associated emissions are of generating the electricity to support your operation. The challenge is that some corporates and, and some countries face the fuel that they're using to power their operations is available today, but is no longer going to be available to purchase in the medium term. The mining of coal in New Zealand will be banned, I think, towards the end of this decade. And companies that use coal to power coal-fired boilers are going to need to replace their source of energy. If you're a customer who's facing this dilemma, how can you use the existing infrastructure to help decarbonize your operations? Can the existing infrastructure be
1: retrofitted or can it be used with alternate fuels? Still to come, What are some of the challenges that come with accelerating transition? More with Luke Edwards in a moment.
0: And now back to podcasts by the Business Times, brought to you by Brookfield Asset Management.
1: Luke Edwards from Brookfield is our guest today. And we've been talking about quickening the pace of investing in green tech and how it needn't mean less profit. But for some businesses, Luke, they're already grappling with a challenging economic environment if they need to shut down for some time in order to, say, get this transition going. That's not very appealing. Can transitioning be done while still operating? I mean, you said it'd be like fixing that plane while it's still flying. That's scary. It is. It is. It is very scary. And in some
2: situations, um, that's possible. A lot of businesses, the challenge they face is they've got existing operations that require a focus from management. They require capital to continue operating. While companies know that they need to transition Sometimes their capital is not best spent on transitioning, but the management team and the boards of of a lot of these companies know that if they don't invest in transitioning their business, they're going to be less competitive in the future. They're going to get left behind. Some companies address it by building parallel infrastructure. Some are trying to address it by doing progressive changes. So you might have a company that has multiple sites across multiple parts of Australia or Asia, and you might tackle one plant at a time. But it's a great question, sometimes a very hard problem to solve. And we can work with our customers on very specific problems. We can help them design solutions. We can help finance those solutions. But then we can also help them maintain and operate those solutions.
1: And what are some of the other pain points or choke points that have come up because of accelerating this transition? How are you folks at Brookfield helping them? Yeah,
2: so most businesses globally really trying to figure out how the energy transition is going to affect their ability to stay competitive. Car manufacturers, they need to get ahead of electric vehicles. Those car companies are going to need batteries. They're going to have to make decisions about whether they build manufacturing capacity to make those batteries or whether those batteries are going to come from third-party suppliers. If you think about businesses that have been operating for 20, 30, 50 years, they've all got very well-established supply chains. I won't take credit for this, but one way I've heard it described is the whole economy is being rewired. And from a Brookfield perspective, decarbonisation, digitalisation, deglobalisation – And if you're a business operating with multiple sites across multiple jurisdictions and you're preparing for a greener future, you need to really be thinking about how your supply chain is being rewired or where you're going to find inputs for your new products in the future. This requires a lot of planning and often the infrastructure or the products that people need to make the products that they're looking to make. Those supply chains aren't well established or those don't exist. So some companies are having to go out there and create those
1: supply chains on their own or having to invest to support those new supply chains. What more do you think can be done, though, on every level, from corporates to governments and even every one of us to help? It's so hard, though, for that one person. It's really that I'm only one person. Can I really do anything that would help?
2: Very good question about pain points is really at the social level. The transition delivers obvious benefits to the global environment, but there's a huge benefit to local environments too. A lot of people face in communities is something needs to be done about global warming, but it does have an impact on their daily lives. It also creates more cost. If you want to install solar panels on your roof or put a battery in your house in Australia, you have to either pay for that upfront, can be a significant cost, or you have to try to find another way to finance that. A lot of people are struggling with those decisions. Are you seeing more corporates
1: focused on this, taking steps to meaningfully bring down their emissions in a productive manner?
2: At Brookfield, we're really focused on industrial decarbonisation and opportunities at scale where we can invest our capital to have a meaningful impact on emissions reduction. We've had a lot of support for this strategy. Our first fund, BGTF1, a 15 billion US dollar fund focused on this strategy. After raising that fund, we saw a wall of opportunities and led us to deploy a majority of this capital in a, quite a short time window. That's led to the raising of a second fund, BGTF2, raising that at the moment. And we expect the quantum and the size of that fund to be materially higher than the first fund. The strategy for fund two will continue to be what we focused on in fund one, which is business transformation, opportunities, investments in clean energy development and sustainable solutions. Another great evolution of our renewable and transition business at Brookfield is the Catalytic Transition Fund, or CTF, We announced this at COP28. It's a fund that's going to be focused on investment in emerging markets. One of the trends we've seen is there's been a lot of capital to flow into transition opportunities in developed countries, but less so into developing markets. And this is normally because developing markets have different market structures. The regulation might be less mature. Their revenue models might not be as well established. What we announced at COP was a fund that would be dedicated to emerging markets and the UAE and um, Altera committed $1 billion to seed CTF. And as part of this commitment, they've agreed to a capped return on their contribution to the fund across our entire fund, which is going to be smaller than our flagship fund. But it means that we're going to be able to use private capital to crowd in investment in Southeast Asia and make investments and look at opportunities that we would not have been able to look at through BGTF. This is really exciting for us because it takes us to new markets, but also it allows us to take our transition investment expertise to new markets and be able to try and address this problem of not enough capital going to the emerging markets.
1: What's next, do you think? How will you be building upon this strategy? We've been investing in renewables for
2: over 40 years and investing in the space before it was even an asset class. And what keeps us going is the knowledge and the view that the transition is a multi-decade investment opportunity that requires trillions of dollars of capital. We aren't sitting here today worried about whether there's going to be opportunities in the future. The thing that amazes us every year is that the market's only getting bigger and the opportunity set is getting more diverse and bigger as well. Decarbonization and investing to make a financial return for our investors is complementary. You can find really, really great decarbonization and transition investment opportunities, but at the same time, getting a great risk-adjusted return for our investors. And that's something that's really exciting about this space. It's incumbent on all of us, all industries, both the private sector and the public sector, to do as much as we can with the resources we have in the time we have. And it is very important that we work to our 2030 targets and our 2050 targets, but we can only work as fast as our resources allow us to. As long as we stay focused on the target, if we miss it by two years or five years or 10 years in a 30 to 50 year investment horizon, that's much better than not getting there at all.
1: Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was a pleasure and thank you very much for having me, Howie. Luke Edwards, Managing Director, Renewable Power and Transition from Brookfield is our guest today. This has been a podcast by the Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time.
0: This episode of Podcasts by the Business Times was brought to you by Brookfield Asset Management. Find more BT Podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.